You know, we've been in a series here at the beginning of the year. I felt like the Lord laid on my heart, uh, actually back in December. And uh, so we've been kind of walking some things out and looking at some things. And so uh, the title of this series is called, Who's in Charge Around Here? And uh, so this is week three of that series. And so uh, we'll wrap this series up next week um, as well. But, uh, you know, really, and I'll kind of give you a a brief kind of recap and some highlights of the last couple weeks just so that we're all on the same page. But, you know, the Bible's very clear and gives us instruction is that we are a spirit, which is your spirit man. Now, that's the eternal part of you. It will live forever. But you have a soul, which is your mind, your will, your emotions, your thoughts, all those types of things. Your desires are in there. But then you also have a flesh, which is this body. The Bible says that this body is constantly in a process of decay from the moment we're born, which is pretty morbid, but it's just true. I mean, you ever thought about like, you know, you realize most of the dust in your house is skin cells, right? And that's kind of gross to think about, but that's actually fact. And, uh, kind of, but our body is being renewed. I mean, you know, I cut myself a couple weeks ago here, right, right here on my finger. Stabbed myself with a screwdriver. It was awesome. And, uh, you know, but my body has started to fix itself. You know, and it's about done now. And, uh, you know, why, well, what is that? That's my body in that life coming about. That's what our bodies will do. You know, but we also experience... Uh, things in life. And many times uh, I believe that we try to blame other people when it might be our fault. We want to blame the enemy. We want to blame God. We want to blame this person or that person. And many times, uh, and not always, there are people who um, just have bad intentions for you. And, uh, you know, and I believe that I'm going to be teaching a series in February about relationships, not necessarily about dating relationships, but different types of people. And uh, so we're going to talk about some of these things because not everybody has good intentions for you. And, uh, you know, and I don't mean just in a dating relationship. It could be a coworker, It could be a neighbor. It could be whoever. And the Bible gives us instructions uh, that we ought to be smart about the people around us and knowing how to deal with them. So we'll, we'll get to that. But, um, but we've been talking for the last few weeks about, um, you know, really spirit, soul, body. And how do we keep everything in proper order? You know, God is a God of order. I mean, if you realize that. You know, I, was, I, I get an email every day from a guy with a little daily devotional. And uh, so one day I got it. And, uh, you know, and, and he, the heading was this. It says that order precedes blessing. And he was talking about how in every area of our life, if we really want to uh, see God work, we've got to get things in order. Why? Because blessing can't come until things are in order. And, uh, you know, and so that doesn't matter what it may be. If you're believing God in a specific area of your life, you got to make sure you get it in order. In other words, you got to get your ducks in a row. And it's not that we're trying to please God or anything like that, but it's hard to believe God for something that you don't really know the details of. Uh, you know, and you know, I won't get into it, but but there is a principle there, and, and it's important even for us as human beings to understand that the order in which we live matters spiritually speaking. Our spirit man should be in charge. Make no mistake about it. You do not want your flesh running the show. You know, as I was praying about this and uh, just kind of going through my notes and praying, you know, I had a thought, you remember the, how many of you ever seen the movie Willy Wonka? Like not the, not the new one, the original one, you know, the real Willy, you know what I'm talking about? And, uh, you know, there was a little girl in that movie and I don't remember her name, but she kept going, I want it. And I want it now, daddy, daddy, I want it. And I want it now. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You know, and she was a little spoiled brat. And he's like, oh, I'll get you all that when we get home. She goes, no, I want it now. You know, I want the golden goose and, you know, all this stuff. And, uh, you know, but that's the flesh. I want it and I want it now. You know, and, and so we can be controlled just by desires, just fleshly desires. That's why I encourage you to fast. Why? Because you're telling yourself no. One of my friends one time made a statement. I just said, man, I'm going to steal that. He says, every now and then you just need to flex your no muscle. And just tell yourself no. You know, uh, you know, I was watching a comedian one time, and he was named Tim Hawkins. He's a Christian comedian. If you don't know who he is, look him up on YouTube if you need a good laugh. And, uh, but he, one time I was listening uh, to something of his, and, uh, you know, it's good to laugh. And so if you need to, you can get on YouTube and find you something that's funny, that makes you laugh. And on a bad day, just go read it. Why? Proverbs says is that laughter is good like a medicine. And, uh, but he was talking about his kids and how his daughter wanted an, now this was a few years back, obviously, but his daughter wanted an iPod or iPhone. I don't remember which one it was. But uh, he's like, I'm going to give you a gift. And it's called no. <laughs> you know? And uh, it's a gift of no. And so, you know, and every now and then we have to give ourselves the gift of no. Yeah. 
It is a gift. We may not like it. I don't like it. But sometimes you got to work your no muscle. And you just got to say, I want it. I could buy it. But just because I want it and just because I could doesn't mean that I should. And sometimes it's something as simple as that. Like, you know, I mean, there's, I've had lots of opportunities in the last two weeks to tell myself no. And I will have a bunch more this week, I'm sure. And you know what? And that's a good thing. Because I'm reminding my mind that it is not in charge. I'm also reminding my flesh, my feelings, my, my, my wants and my cravings. You're not in charge either, buddy. Zip it. My spirit man is going to lead my life. Why? Because when my spirit man is in charge, that means God's in charge. And that's the place I want to live. I want to make sure that I stay in that lane. And so over the last few weeks, we've been talking about this. And I've said it each week. And I want to say it again is this, is that one of the things that I think that especially as believers that we have to really consider and look at is this, is that at the end of our life, when we stand before God, we want to make sure that we didn't win at the wrong things. And that's easy to do. It's easy to get off focus and to even win at good things that we had good intentions when we started, but somewhere along the road, those good things became God things. And I don't mean like God-ordained things. I mean like we put them into the place of God. You know, like as an example, I mean, I'm a man. How many men we got in the room? Got a few of you. (laughs) Praise the Lord. But I believe as a man... That it is my responsibility, not necessarily totally, completely. I'm not against ladies having a job or doing it. But I believe that it's my responsibility to provide for my family. First and foremost, even before you as this church. Let me just say that publicly, by the way. It's my responsibility to provide for my family first. Why? Because in biblical order, my relationship with God comes first and my relationship with that lady comes second. And then the church is somewhere third or fourth. You know, but... And I've, look, and I've had to deal with this and watch this. This is an area that I have to be careful with because I tend to fall to that workaholic side of things. That in my good desire to provide for my family, I can create money or stuff as a God and put that above him. Well, that gets out of order. Why? Because I'm actually putting my family above God. Well, that's out of biblical order. So there are times the Holy Spirit has to put me in check and say, hey, calm down. You can't have it right now. Just trust me, walk with me, and we'll get there. But the answer is no right now. You know, and so we have to, sometimes we want to make sure that we win at the right things. See, many times life becomes about winning at money or status or success or self-interest or materialism. None of these things are bad. They just shouldn't be our master. They shouldn't be our driving force day to day. They just shouldn't be. And so, you know, these things aren't, and again, these things aren't bad things. They're just terrible masters. They're terrible gods. See, we can worship at the throne of money. We can worship at the throne of reputation, what people think about us. And you're like, well, I don't believe that. Well, Jesus said you can either serve God or you can serve money, but you can't serve both. He says you'll love one and be faithful to one and you'll hate the other or you'll serve the other and be faithful to the other. Now, it's not talking about physical money. He's actually talking about a spirit of greed that rests upon money. I mean, I don't know about you, but I've never been to a place where I just got, man, I got more money than I know what to do with. (laughs) I haven't found that place. As a matter of fact, I've never met anybody. Anybody. And I've had the opportunity to be around some people that were very wealthy. It was never enough. There's always that need for more. And yet we can caught up in that whole, well, guy next door bought a new boat. I got to upgrade mine now. You know, I mean, and we don't even think about it. It's just like, man, that sure is sparkly. Makes mine look kind of bad. You know, and so we can get caught in these things. And so, you know, and here's just a truth for you is that ambition that isn't tied to God's leading or God's calling for you will take a life of its own. Ambition that's not tied to what God has for you will take on a life of its own and it will push to become God in your life. And so it turns our hearts into competition and comparison. And so our focus becomes 
getting that new job or that bigger salary or that better house. And we hang our identity and value on achieving stuff. And you see, if we're not careful, those things get in the way. And we can get those things and be in the wrong Win, let me say this, we could win at the wrong things. Just give you an example of this. You may be working a job and somebody comes and you have an opportunity to go take a new job, making more money and everything looks good on paper. But something on the inside of you just says, I don't know about this. And God's saying, I want to bless you right where you are, not where, where you're thinking about going. If you'll just stay here, I can bless you. You're like, well, God, I don't see how it's not on us to figure it out. It's on us to say, God, I'm going to be faithful. Now, there are times... I mean, the reason I'm here is because God took me out of a situation and said, okay, I need you over here now. God doesn't have a problem with, them, with us moving. It's at his direction. But I've also had it where the Lord told me, sit and shut it. And I'll bless you. That one wasn't as fun. But I did it. And you know what I saw was God's blessing. So we have to be careful. And so we want to win in the right things. I shared this with you a couple weeks ago, but we want to win in our relationships. That's probably the most valuable thing you can win in. Number one with God, number two with your family, with your friends, with those people around you. You want to make sure you're winning in those. You don't want to sacrifice your family or those relationships at the altar of moving forward or or getting along. You don't have to step on people to advance in life. That is our culture. Put somebody else down and then I'll get that raise that they were being considered for. If you do that, God will not honor it. We have to value relationships trusting Him first. Number two, we want to uh, win in faith. We want to believe God for big stuff. Not just stuff in the night. I want to see God do amazing things through me that I get to be a part of. I want to see God do amazing things through our church that we all get to be a part of so that we get to step back and be like, oh my gosh, look what God did. Isn't this amazing? So we want to win in the areas of faith. We want to win in the area of our influence. Our witness. We want to influence people around us that says, man, you know something about God that I don't. And your life proves it out. I've watched you walk through some stuff. Man, you don't walk through it like everybody else. Why? Because I wasn't just looking to my emotions. I wasn't just looking to the natural. I was looking to my spirit, man, to give me the strength to walk. And I'm going to come out on the other side like Daniel or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The Bible says they were thrown into a fire. It says when they came out, there wasn't a hair on their head since, and they didn't even smell like smoke. I mean, I can light the fireplace in my house and the whole place smells like smoke. I didn't crawl in it, but I'm going to smell like it. And yet, we can walk through things and come out on the other side and people are going to be like, I can't believe. Like that, I mean, this is my opinion. I think when we share our testimony with people, they should be dumbfounded when they look at us and go, really? I would have never known. Praise God. God gets all the glory. Yeah, I went through some things, but man, God was faithful and God was good. And man, I had to get healed, but God was faithful to heal me and God was faithful to restore me and God worked. And that all says, praise the Lord. It's the walking that out, though, that can be challenging. And so we want to win in the area of our resources. Now, this isn't just money, but it includes that as well. It's also in your giftings, your talents, those things that God has placed in you. I want to win. I mean, we're all going to be asked the question from God, what did you do with what I gave you? What'd you do with it? Were you faithful? Did you use those gifts, those talents, those abilities? Because here's the thing. Money is not your most important resource. Your gifts are. Why? Because you are unique. God fashioned you a certain way. And so, you know, just practically, somebody else can write a check. Money is just money. But there are are certain giftings that only you can do. Why? Because you're the only one who has that makeup. You're the only one who has that, that, that mindset, that vision. It's the way that you see things. It's the way that God built you and designed you for a very specific purpose. And I can tell you this for absolute fact. In America, there are nine people with your exact same strengths. Nine people. One in every 35 million people have your strengths. Your greatest strengths in your life. And so I can absolutely tell you this, that every one of you serve a very specific and useful purpose in our church. We don't have 35 million people in our church. There's no one else like you. You're one of a kind. 
And so God is going to use those areas in your life. But man, it starts with understanding that, hey, the Holy Spirit's going to have to direct me and lead me. Because you're like, well, I don't know. I, don't, I ain't got no giftings. Sure you do. God doesn't make do-overs. God doesn't make mistakes. God always designs with a purpose. You have a purpose. You may not know what it is. We'd love to help you find out what it is. But you serve a definite purpose. And so we've been talking about these things. And so how do we win at the right things? We've been talking about this. And so, um, you know, even in the areas of what I've already touched on is that there is value in being productive. I believe in being productive. Before the fall, Adam had a job. God gave him responsibility. He says, watch over the garden and tend to it. So work was not meant to be a burden. Now, I know you may say, that's the dumbest thing you've ever said. <laughs> work was not intended to be a burden. Why? Because there should be grace on our life to do those things. And if there's no grace for you to do, and let me even say it this way since I've already touched on this, you may have worked a job for 10 years, and it's been great, and it's been awesome, and all of a sudden there's no grace to be there. This is something I've learned, is that I can follow the grace in my life and realize, hey, a season has changed. It was great for 10 years, but that grace is gone. Praise the Lord. And it's like it can lift that fast. And I've, I've seen it happen in my life multiple times. Well, when the grace lifts, you need to say, okay, God, where is your grace? Because I want to be in that place. I don't want to be somewhere out here trying to do this on my own. Well, that's going to require that you hear from the Lord. See, I believe the most valuable thing for us as believers right now in the day in which we live is the ability to hear from God for yourself. Now, I have no problem with the Holy Spirit dropping something into my heart to tell you, but I shouldn't tell you anything new or anybody else for that matter. It should just be confirmation of what's already in your heart. If somebody comes and says, oh, I believe the Lord put this in my heart, and you're like, hmm, he ain't said that to me. Don't be making no decisions off that. I don't care how much you trust him. I don't care if I came to you and was like, man, I was praying, and an angel came and just gave me this revelation for you. <laughs> you could say, I appreciate it. I'm going I'm to put some prayer to that. I'm going I'm to see if that, if that agrees with my spirit, man. And if it doesn't, you put it on the shelf. Because there may come a time down the road where you're like, oh, that's what that was about. I, th I thought this was talking about this, this, or this. Had nothing to do with those things. So, but we want to be productive. We, we want to do well. But I would rather that we be known as this, people who loved life, like that I people in life. I don't want to go through every day and be like, well, it's another day. I want to enjoy life. I want to enjoy the people I'm around. I don't want to be miserable to be around for other people. I'm like, oh gosh, get out the room. Here he comes. <laughs> no, we want to love life. We want to love people. And we want to love God. I want to be excited about God. I want to be excited about what he's doing in my life. I want to be excited about the people, the company that he has brought around me. I want to be excited every day to wake up and say, God, man, what are you going to do today? doesn't mean that there aren't days that are mundane. It's like, well, here we go again. But I'm going to have faith. God, I don't know what you're going to do today, but I believe I'm going to see you work today. Wow. One way or another, I believe you're going to do something. And you're going to catch my attention today. I'm going to be like, man, that was the Lord working. Amen. And I'm going I'm to pay attention to those things. In Galatians chapter 5, this has kind of been our text over the last couple of weeks, the main part, if you will. And he says, I say, walk habitually in the Holy Spirit. So as your habit, this should be your normal day-to-day -day life. This shouldn't be foreign or unusual. We should be used to hearing the Lord talk to us. Now, when I say hear the Lord talk to us, it can come in many different ways. It can come through the scriptures. We can be reading the Bible and it seems like a, a verse jumps off the page. That happens. Well, God didn't speak. He already spoke it. He wrote it down so I can read it. And sometimes the word will speak up. Sometimes I get an impression and it says, go read this, this scripture. Like, I don't know what that scripture is. Go read that scripture. That's why I'm telling you, go read it. But there are times that I just get impressions in my heart. It's not like a, I heard anything. It's just like, hmm. Man, I can't tell you how many times that God has led me just through a small little impression in my heart. Just something small. But I've learned to not blow that off and it has saved me many times 
Just little impressions from the Holy Spirit. Wasn't anything amazing or spectacular that happened. It was just something like, I don't know that this is the right thing. I mean, I've done that in buying cars, buying houses. I've done it in all kinds of areas of my life. And not that, again, not that God doesn't want me to have things. I read that to you earlier. He wants you to, gives us all things to richly enjoy. But he may say, hey, I know you want that truck, but that's not the one you need to buy because that joker's a, it's a lemon. That, that one will not be a blessing to you. <laughs> Unfortunately, I have personal experience with that. I bought a lemon. And I paid more than I paid for the car in fixing it. And I knew it when I bought it. I made a decision after that car. I will never do this again. If I halfway somewhat think it might be God leading me not to do something, I'm going to not do it. Because that was expensive and that was not fun. My wife, it was actually Dara's car. She calls me one day and says, I took a right turn and it won't do anything. Transmission went out. Took a right turn. Transmission gone. Never had issues with it. Crazy. It's constantly fixing that car. When we, this is no joke. When we traded it in, we drove to another city. I put it on a U-Haul so that I could drive it from like around the corner to the dealership because I didn't think it would make the drive. I'm not even, I'm not exaggerating. That's the absolute truth. And I'm like, please don't smoke. Please don't smoke. Please don't smoke. Like, you know, I know y'all have never, y'all have never been in those places. That was that stupid car. I'm like, Lord, help me. Just bail me out this one time, you know. But I knew it. I knew that I knew that I knew that I wasn't supposed to buy that thing. But I've also had it other times. I bought a house one time because the Lord told me, drive around the block. We were believing God for a house. Drove around the block. A house we'd went in two years previously. It just hit the market. We bought it. Tremendous blessing in our life for that season of our life. It was, I didn't think I could afford it, but apparently God did. It took faith. I was a nervous wreck before we bought that house. First house ever bought. And, uh, you know, but just a little impression. I didn't know where the house was. It was actually two or three blocks from where we were renting a house at the time. God doesn't mind us having some, but it's about listening for those little signs, those little things. People will come alongside and help you, yes. But the Bible says is that we're to be habitually, as our normal course of life, is we're to follow the Holy Spirit. That's what that word, uh, word walk means. It means we follow. He leads us. He doesn't necessarily walk with us. He leads us. And he says, uh, and you will certainly not carry out the desires of your sinful nature, which responds impulsively without regard for God and his precepts. Now, we understand, and we've been talking about this, is that our flesh and even our soul can play games with us. They can convince us of things that aren't actually true, but we believe they are. That's why we need our spirit man to tell us. I told you last week about a story where I had dealt with some uh, young people that were interns for me, and I was ready to drop the hammer on them. How many remember this story? Yeah. And the Lord put me in check and took me over to Galatians and says, hey, don't be harsh. And I was like, dang it. <laughs> and I can't tell you how many times. It is the most important aspect of my life. There is nothing that I would put above having the Lord lead me. Ever. Now, there's lots of things that you can do to help you in this. If you want to learn how to hear from the Lord, start reading His Word, learn His language, learn how He talks. He'll speak through the Scriptures. He'll remind you. That the Holy, I mean, the Bible says the Holy Spirit will bring back all things that, to your remembrance. So if you read a Scripture, you may not even memorize it. But one day, the Holy Spirit's going to say, hey, because you sowed that Scripture, now I can bring it back up to you. Here you go. He can't bring you what you didn't deposit, right? But if you deposit the Word of God, what happens? Now, you're going to begin to sense the Holy Spirit leading you. It's not weird. It's not odd. It's the most valuable thing in my life. And any time that I feel like that the Holy Spirit's voice is getting quiet, I need to go draw close. Because apparently I have moved away a little bit from the Lord. And so, you know, we've been talking about this. And the thing is, is that, you know, even the Bible talks about that we can deceive ourselves. Well, how does that happen? Because our soul gets too loud. Because our flesh gets too loud. And sometimes that's why I encourage you to do the fast. Man, because why? You're shutting down those things. You're saying, shut up. Pipe down. My spirit man's in charge right here. Y'all getting too loud. David did this in the Psalms. He says, be still, O my soul. Quiet down. Quit talking. I know I'm hungry. It doesn't matter. I ain't giving you nothing. I know you want to watch this or watch that. It doesn't matter. Forget about it. Just... 
Go and press in. The message translation of this same uh, passage here, I'm actually going to read verse 16 through 18 from the message. It says it this way. He says, my counsel is this, live freely and animated. You know, God doesn't want you to be a robot. How many of you know that? God gave you a personality. He wants you to use it. Right? We're not robots. We're not clones. We're not like, oh, well, this is the way a Christian looks and sounds. And No. Live freely, animated if you want to be or if you are. Motivated by God's Spirit. Be motivated by God's Spirit. Then you won't feed the compulsions of selfishness, of the flesh or of the soul. See, it's not, well, I've just got to be better and just, I've got to be more disciplined. No. You need to be more spiritual. And that will take care of those areas of discipline that may not quite measure up to where they need to be. You need to press into the Lord and allow Him to come and help you. Verse 17 says, For there is a root of, self, of sinful self-interest in us that is at odds with the free spirit, just as the free spirit is incompatible with selfish interest. Um, it says these two ways are antithetical. They're at war with each other. So you cannot live at times one way and at uh, times another way according to the way you feel on any given day. Your emotions can play tricks on you. It says in verse 18, Why don't you choose to be led by the Spirit and so escape um, the erratic compulsions of law-dominated existence. You know, as I was reading over this over the last couple days, I misread that word law. And this is how, and I thought it was very interesting. I'll just share it with you. Is this, and it's that um, if you'll choose to be led by the Spirit, and so uh, escape erratic compulsions of a low existence. I misread the word law into low. We have a higher nature we can live at. We have a lower nature we can live at. The higher nature is our spirit, man. The lower nature is our flesh and even our soul at times. And so we should, by the spirit, we can escape the erratic compulsions of our fallen nature. Why? Because we've been made alive unto God in our spirit, man. And we can escape that low nature if we choose to. If we keep our spirit man in first place, in first position in our life. And so we aren't to live uh, off the letter of the law or off some rules. We're not bound necessarily to the Ten Commandments. Although Jesus is very clear is that he fulfilled the law and all of the commandments. And he actually says, if you'll just walk in love, you'll fulfill all the Ten Commandments. So you could say it this way. Is we actually have a higher law to live by today. But it says, hey, if you'll just walk in love with people. Love God, love people, love yourself. Not too much love yourself, but love yourself too. You know, that is important. You do have to be able to love yourself a little bit. Not in a prideful or an arrogant way. But I am not useless, pointless, and a waste of skin. I'm a creation of God. You're a creation of God Almighty. He didn't screw up when he made you. As a matter of fact, he was precise in the way he made you. So you have to be able to understand that about you. You have value. And so it's important for you to know that. But we're not, um, we're not to live based off of the letter of the law or just a bunch of rules. We are meant to be led by the Holy Spirit in every area of our life. That happens through our spirit, man. That's where we're to live our life out of. Now I want to read you some verses. And I'm going to have to read these pretty much straight through just for the sake of time. But Paul wrote there in Galatians and Paul's writing again in Romans chapter 7. I'm going to read you, uh, like I said, I'm going to read about a chapter of the Bible. Right now, just so you know. So brace yourself. It's going to be a lot. It'll be up there. But I want you to get it in context. He says here in verse 4 of chapter 7, Romans, he says, So my friends, oh wait, let me get in the right translation because you're reading out of something different. It says, So dear brothers and sisters, this is the point. You died to the power of the law when you died with Christ. And now you are united and the, with the one who raised you from the dead. As a result, you can produce a harvest of good deeds for God. You can right now. If you're saved, you can do it. I got good news for you. God doesn't create failures. God doesn't create uh, slip-ups. Nope. You can do some good stuff. And God wants to do some good stuff through you. And so he says that you can produce a harvest of good deeds. He says in verse 5, When you are controlled by your old nature, that low nature, that fallen nature, sinful desires were at work within us. And the law aroused these evil desires that produced a harvest of sinful deeds. He says, resulting in death. But now. Everybody say, but now. But now. But now. In other words, something's changed. This is who you were, but now something's changed. 
We have been released from the law, for we died to it and are no longer captive to its power. So what he's really saying is you're no longer a slave to sin. It is not in charge of your life unless you allow it. You are no longer captive to its power. Now we can serve God not in the old way of obeying the letter of the law, but in a new way of living in the Spirit. Now drop down to verse uh, 8 with me. Is that right? 14. Thank you, John. From the back comes a, a voice. <laughs> Praise the Lord. He's on top of it, see. That's somebody using a gift right there. Helping me preach the word of God. So, and getting you out of here at a decent time, which is more important to you. Verse 14. He says, so the trouble is not with the law, for it is spiritual and it is good. The trouble is with me, for I am all too human, a slave to sin. Now, this is the mighty apostle Paul. And he says, man, I'm just all too human. I'm glad that he said that. Because I can identify with that. Like, mm. <laughs> for I'm all too human. He says, verse 15, I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But I know that what I am doing is wrong. This shows that I agree that the law is good. So I'm not the one doing wrong. It is the sin that lives, or the sin living in me that does it. He says, I know that nothing good lives in me. That is in my sin nature. He's saying, look, my spirit man is good, but my sin nature is not. Where it calls this sinful nature, it's also the flesh. It's the same, it's just the way they translate it here. They call it sin. It's the flesh. He says, I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I end up doing it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I am not really the one doing wrong. It is, the sin, um, it, is the, it is sin living in me that does it. He says, I have discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what was wrong. You ever had some really good intentions that you didn't follow through with? I'm going to wake up early, I'm going to pray, I'm going to spend some time with Jesus. And then the alarm clock goes off and it's like, snooze. <laughs> Lord, my heart, I, I had some good intentions, man. My heart was there. The power of sleep just hit me. I just went out under the anointing of it. It was amazing. <laughs> Whew, that anointing was strong. Verse 21, he says, I have discovered this principle that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. He says, I love God's law with all of my heart. He's saying, look, I am passionate about God. I'm passionate about his word. I'm just all too human. He says in verse 23, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Verse 24, says, oh, what a miserable person I am. I'm glad the great apostle Paul said this. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this light that is dominated by sin and death? Verse 25 says, thank God, with an exclamation. I could have just shouted that right there. Thank God. Why? Because God had a plan. And it says, the answer is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of the sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. That, that fallen nature. I have a higher nature to live at or I have a lower nature. And man, that low nature kind of wants to come and control things. Always. But I've got to keep things in proper order. Now, jumping over to chapter 8, starting in verse 1, he says, So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Just because you screw up doesn't mean you have to take the guilt associated with that fall. Proverbs says that the righteous will fall, but seven times they will get back up. I may get tripped. I may mess up. I may make a mistake, but I'm not staying there, and I'm not going to be identified by that. I'm going to get up and start moving forward again because God is not finished with me, and I am not finished with God doing what he wants to do in me. I'm not giving it. I'm not throwing in the towel. God will accomplish his goal in my life, so I refuse to be condemned. God doesn't condemn you. He's not calling you guilty. The enemy's going to try. Verse 2 says, Because you belong to Him, being God, the power of the life-giving Spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. 
He says, the law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body declared an end to sin's control over us. In Christ, Jesus broke the back of sin. So he says that God, in in the body of Christ, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully. Everybody say fully. Fully satisfied. Jesus left no stone unturned. He fully satisfied the law. Who no longer, he continues, he says, who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. We don't follow our, 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 that low nature. We don't follow, follow that flesh and even our soul at times. We follow our spirit now. The, the, the Spirit of God living on the inside of us. It says in verse 5, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled or led by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. Verse 6 says, so letting your sinful nature control your mind, your fallen nature. Control your mind leads to death. It's not just physical death. It's also talking about spiritual death, emotional death. You know, Jesus did die for every part of us. Spirit, soul, and body. You know, Jesus died so that you could be well-balanced in your emotional realm. Do you know that? You don't have to just be overwhelmed with grief or with insecurity or whatever it may be. Jesus came so that we could be level. Doesn't mean that things don't come. But look, we're all learning this. Ain't nobody in this room perfect at this. We all lose our cool at times. We all get on edge at times. We all get there because we're human. But by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can actually overcome that. And it says in the second part of verse 6, it says, But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's law, and it never will. That's why those who are um, still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. If you don't want to please God, walk in the flesh. If you want to please God, you're going to have to learn to walk in the Spirit. You're going to have to learn Learn, learn, learn. You're not going to wake up one day and just be all that you should be. And it's a process. And you've got to learn how to walk in the Spirit. You've got to learn to listen. And if you're hard-headed and stubborn like me, sometimes you pay for that hard-headedness and stubbornness. But God's still faithful. Just because I didn't hear him one time, he didn't stop talking to me. He keeps talking. He's faithful. Where did I leave off? Start at verse 9. Thank you. He says, but you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. Verse 10 says, and uh, and Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life. Because you have have been made right with God. The Bible was this way. You've been made righteous. In other words, there's no guilt. God looks at you, hey, the price has been paid. If you've received Christ and you've accepted forgiveness of your sins, the Bible says immediately you've been made right with God. Verse uh, 11 says, oh, sorry, verse 12. He says, therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. You're under no obligation. You ever felt obligated to do something? Like you don't want to do it, but you just got to do it. You're like, oh, man. You ever like told somebody, hey, when you get to that, just let me know. I'll come help you. And then you go help them. You're like, golly, why did I say this? <laughs> That's an obligation, right? He says, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. So just because your flesh says, hey, feed this or feed that or whatever it may be. Or, hey, go, go comfort yourself with this or that. You have no obligation to that. Amen. Verse 13 says, for if you live... By its dictates, you will die. Talking about the flesh. He says, but if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of sinful nature, you will live. If through the power of the Spirit you can get your flesh and your soul under wraps, you will experience real life through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. But that's the way that it comes. And so it's very clear and we have things... But that's not what leads to life. 
being more disciplined or more driven or whatever it may be, those are not what's going to lead you to the life that God has for you. It's going to come through the person and the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. And it's in that place where you will live. See, we can never become good enough through self-effort. It's a gift of righteousness, the Bible says. We have to receive Christ, not because we earn it, but because he gave it. Because he gave us this gift. And so, you know, there are some things that, that uh, you know, the, just our day-to-day life. And look, being led by the Spirit doesn't mean that you're indecisive. It doesn't mean that you're weird. It doesn't mean that you're like just odd. Jesus wasn't weird. And he was full of the Holy Spirit. If anything, people were amazed at him because of the wisdom and the power that he walked in, not the weirdness that he walked in. So don't get that impression that, well, to be a spiritual person means you're just odd and weird. No, you're just weird. Don't blame that on the Holy Spirit. He's not weird. He's a helper. He's an advocate. He's one who comes alongside to help me. He's not trying to convince everybody else that I'm crazy. He's trying to convince everybody through me that God is good, that Jesus is the Savior, and that there is life to be lived. And I'm to be the example, the shining example to people around me that life can be different because of the power of the Spirit in my life. Now, I want to give you an example because Paul's writing all this. And I want to give you, because it sounds, it's interesting. I'll just say it that way. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 5 through 8, this is the Apostle Paul writing to a church that he dearly loved. But I want you, I want to point out a few things here that he says in this. He says, I'm coming to visit you after I have been in Macedonia. For I am planning to travel through Macedonia. Now, did Paul, how did he start this off? I am coming, right? He says, look, I'm coming to see y'all. He says in verse 6, perhaps, maybe, I will stay with you a while. In other words, that's up for debate how long I stay. I don't know. He says, possibly all winter. Then you can send me to my next destination, Another translation adds this here. It says uh, that you can send me to wherever I may go next. Wherever. Where where are you going next, Paul? I'm not sure yet. Holy Spirit hadn't told me. He says, this time I don't want to make just a short visit and go right on. He says, I want to come and stay a while if the Lord will let me. The Apostle Paul right here is giving us an example of what it's actually like to live led by the Holy Spirit. Perhaps... Maybe, possibly, not sure where I'm going next, but you can send me wherever I'm going next because here's the thing. He had confidence that God would tell him where he was going next. He wasn't worried going, oh my goodness, I'm going to come for the winter because I, I just don't know what the Lord's going to do. And No, he said, look, I'm going to come for a visit if the Lord allows me. Not sure how long I'm going to stay, but when he tells me to go, I'm going to go. I'm not sure where I'm going to go, but when he tells me, that's where I'm going to go. And it's going to be all good. He wasn't fretting. He wasn't worried about it. He said, man, God is in charge of this. We can have our plans. But God always holds the power of veto. The Bible says that man plans his steps, but God orders his steps. Or the man plans his ways. God orders his. In other words, you can have your plans all day long. Just remember, God can change them at any moment. I'm a planner. I got plans. But I also want to be sensitive to the Lord. And I've shared this. I thought I was going to sell my house about three months ago. I had it in contract. People done spent money. The Lord said, you're going to regret this in a year. Just a little something in my heart. I came downstairs and told Dara. I said, I don't think we're supposed to sell the house. She's like, we're supposed to sell it like in two weeks, by the way. Get a hold of the realtor and I say, hey, I don't feel like that, uh, that I, I'm supposed to sell my house. How can I get out of it? She said, you can't. I'm like, well, Lord, you told me I'm going to regret this. And I know that you wouldn't have told me that if you wouldn't help me out. That's what I did. I just prayed. I said, all right, Lord, I need your help. I don't know what to do, but I'm going to ask for your help. I wish he would have told me that a few months earlier, but for whatever reason, maybe he did, and I just didn't pay attention. I don't know. Long story short, two days later, the people backed out of the contract. I was ready to write some checks to, re- to give them their money back. They canceled the contract. It didn't cost me a dime. No reason given. Now, do I know why the Lord said... You're going to regret this. I have some guesses, but I don't know. But this is what I know. 
I would have rather written the checks to get out of it. And I would have rather it cost me now than I would for it to cost me later. Because the thing was, it was going to cost me one way or another. And I knew the other was going to be much worse than the now. So even if I had to make good, but, and this is the way I look at it. If it costs me to be obedient, I'll pay it. I would rather be obedient than I would for it to cost me later. And look, God will do that with you just like he did it for me. Let me give you uh, one last passage of scripture here. Psalms 92. Psalms 92. God's speaking about us, righteous people, godly people. He says in verse 12, he says, The godly will flourish like palm trees. The godly will flourish like palm trees. And they will grow strong like the cedars of Lebanon. Now that doesn't mean a whole lot to us. It's like, well, great, some tree. The Amplified adds this, is that they're majestic and stable. Those trees, they're large, they're huge. I mean, they were magnificent trees. Think like the redwoods over in California. They're massive, you know. Just majestic and just unbelievable. God says that the godly will flourish. Not struggle. Not just limp through life. The godly will flourish. And they'll stay strong like the cedars of Lebanon. He says in verse 13, For they are transplanted to the Lord's own house. You were born into sin, but you've been transplanted, transplanted into the house of God. God has changed our address. I'm no longer at 101 Sin Street. Right? God has changed me. He has moved me. He's moved you. For God, for they are transplanted to the house or to the Lord's own house. He says they flourish in the courts of God. If you want to flourish, Get close to God. He says in verse 14, Even in old age, they will still produce fruit. They will remain vital and green, and they will declare, The Lord is just. He is my rock. There is no evil in him. Now, the Amplified Bible of verse 14 and 15 says it this way. I'll read verse 13. It says, Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. Verse 14 says, Growing in grace. Growing. Remember, remember earlier we were talking about like kind of developing, growing, maturing. He says, growing in grace, they will still thrive and bear fruit and prosper even in old age. For they will flourish and be vital and be fresh, rich in trust, love, and contentment. I love this, the way they say it in verse 8. They will be living memorials to declare that the Lord is upright and faithful to his promises. They are living memorials. We are living testimonies of the goodness of God. We are living testimonies of the power of God. We are a living testimony that God still actively works in the earth today. We are living memorials to declare that the Lord is upright and faithful to his promises. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. Now we've been sharing over these last few weeks about walking in the spirit. And what does that really look like? And really having our priorities in the proper place. We want to win at the right things. I want to win at the right things. I want you to win at the right things. I don't want you to look back in life and say, man, I've got lots of regrets. You may look in your life right now and look back and say, man, i got lots of regrets. Okay, so stop making those decisions that produces those regrets. Learn how to hear the voice of God. Like, well, that's crazy stuff. God doesn't talk to people. Sure he does. Look, in the Old Testament... God used a donkey to talk to a man. He used an animal to talk to a man. How much more through Christ will God not speak to us? He absolutely will. So the goal of my life and my goal for your life is this. Is I want us to be effective, faithful, fruitful. Effective. Faithful and fruitful. Our life, effective. In other words, it accomplishes the goal. It's effective. It's faithful, man. We're committed to the Lord. We're committed to walking with Him. We are fruitful. In other words, there's evidence that God's at work in my life. And lastly, I want to live a full life. I want to live a full life. I want you to live a full life. See, when we surrender our wills and our plans and our desires to the Holy Spirit... 
He'll lead us into God's will and God's plan and God's desires for our life so that we can bring glory to God. Our life is an act of worship. And I want to glorify God. I want to magnify God in my life in every area, every day, all the time. And when I mess up, I simply say, God, I'm sorry I messed up. I missed the mark, but I'm still pressing. I'm not just going to sit in the, and just be like, well, this is just the way it is now on. This is just, it's just the way it is. No, it's not. Why? Because I have a Savior who is alive, who is sitting on a throne, who is praying for me, who's praying for you right now. And in the power of the Holy Spirit, the Bible says we can come alive. We can experience real life in Him that will change the way that we live, the way we think, even our experiences in life. But it's all predicated upon who's in charge. It's all dependent on who, who makes the, who's, who's calling the shots in your life. Is it just every whim and every desire? Because look, those things are going to war against God. They're going to war against God's plan for your life. But if you'll learn how to uh, walk with the Lord, if you'll learn how to listen for His voice, listen for His impressions, pray. I mean, what a concept. Here's what I found. When I pray, I hear God. When I don't pray, I don't hear God. That doesn't necessarily mean that I hear God when I pray. No, many times I, I may spend a long time in my office. I'll be up there studying and praying and worshiping, doing all this stuff. And that would seem logical to me that God would talk to me there. But then I come downstairs to get something out the fridge. I'm like, man, I'm thirsty. And just boop, there's the answer. I'm like, that doesn't make any logical sense, God. Why would you talk to me here and not there? Because, you know, I had my environment set and everything just right. But here's what I know. If I sit on the couch and watch football or watch TV or just don't do much and go to the fridge, God doesn't speak to me at the fridge. I'm like, it's the same fridge. Amen. God, I thought this was our talking point. This, I thought this was where we met together. <laughs> God didn't talk to me there. No, it's because I've spent time in the Word. It's because I've spent time in prayer. It's because I've spent time in His presence. And now He'll talk to me while I drive. I can't tell you how many times I've come to church like driving here and the Lord talks to me on the way and I have to sit down in the parking lot and I have to add things to my notes. I've spent hours in a message. Five minute drive. And God's like, here you go. And I'm like, man. <laughs> you couldn't have told me that sooner? Like, why now? Yep. In, in truth, I don't care. I'm just glad he talked. And I'm glad I heard. That's the life that God wants us to live. Not one of bondage, not one of law. It's freedom in the person of the Holy Spirit. I mean like real freedom. Where we're not dominated by sin. So we can say, man, I'm not perfect, but man, I'm going to put my spirit man in charge. I'm going to make sure he's calling the shots because I know he's going to lead me into the life God has for me. And when we do that, I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, it'll be better than you think. It'll be better than you've ever imagined. But you're going to have to learn how to hear the voice of God. You know, and so uh, even as I close, you know.